0: Tomorrow can be bigger. Just grow, cut the world over from you. Yeah. my life bigger than yourself. You're created for greatness. you my life bigger than yourself.
1: Hello, this is the Live Big Broadcast with Derrick Greer. Today we will hear a classic message from our archives that we believe will be a blessing to you and give you principles to live big in Christ. Let's join Bishop Greer for this classic teaching.
0: The Great Exchange. Um, It's been a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful series. I have felt people go much deeper. Things have become much clearer And uh, I know for me, I I enjoyed it tremendously as well. Uh, But we've come to the the last leg, if you will. And uh, today we're going to talk about our weakness for his strength. Jesus became weak so that we could be made strong. Mark chapter 15, verse 20. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. It was customary for a condemned criminal, a person that was assigned to death, to carry their own cross. That's why Jesus said, take up your cross and what? Follow me. That was the custom. But Jesus had had an excruciating 15 hours. He had experienced the agonies of Gethsemane including a moment where the layers of his skin began to rip apart because of the tremendous personal pressure he was under. And as he was perspiring under the weight of it, it was mingled with his own blood. And in those moments, actually, it it wouldn't, if Jesus just kind of happened upon the cross, kind of just kind of slipped into it, kind of fell into it, it wouldn't mean as much to us. But knowing that Jesus understood the full extent of the pain, the full extent of the suffering, he knew that the Father would have to back away from him. And in spite of what he knew, he chose to do the will of God. The cross was not an an accident. It was God's intention. We find that he went through Gethsemane, and uh, if you've ever cried because you lost someone you love or something tragic happened, you know that it takes you a few days to get past that, to get over that, sometimes even weeks. Jesus, again, he had, uh, he, he wept in the garden. Scripture teaches us that. Um, he uh, had moments with the Father where he said, my soul overwhelms me to the point of death. It seemed that uh, all, everything about him, Seemed like it was falling apart as he faced the uh, challenge of the cross. Then after those hours, uh, one of his friends, one who supped with him, one who ate with him weekly, one who had listened to all of his teachings, had heard, of all, his, uh, heard all his private sayings to his disciples. Judas, he betrayed him. Then after Judas, again, uh, his disciples wouldn't even pray with him. While he was in Gethsemane, they went to sleep. Judas betrayed him. Then after Judas betrayed him, the scripture says all the disciples deserted them. And if desertion wasn't enough, then after all those years of ministry and preparation, Peter, his leading apostle, his leading disciple, denies the Lord three times. Then if that's not enough, the soldiers beat him put a crown on his head and they take a a rod and they beat it into his head and they beat him with rods. Scripture also says that they took turns punching Jesus and they said, you know, you are the, the Messiah, you're king of the Jews, prophesy and tell us, prophet, which one of us hit you. They blindfolded him, I believe, as he did that, as they did that to him. Then if that wasn't enough, took him to the whipping post, and this whipping post was not like what you see in roots and things like that. It was a cat-of-nine-tails that was used to beat these prisoners, and there was a piece of glass, piece of metal, piece of ceramic tied into the leather strips that when a soldier hit the uh, subject, not only did it give him a lash, when they pulled the whip back, it went into his body, it would also pull off skin. Jesus lost blood, Gethsemane, he lost blood during the beating, we find him enduring a terrible, terrible beating, many people died just from the beating, and after all of this, by the way, he had this mock trial, this travesty, called a uh, uh, criminal hearing, it's just uh, something that happened late at night. He goes through all that and scripture says, well, tradition says, forgive me, that he fell under the weight of the cross. Now, the Bible doesn't clearly say that he fell, but since we know that often well, always people assigned to death carried their cross, if Jesus, for some reason, had to have someone else carry his cross, there must have been some reason. They weren't trying to help him. It seemed that he began to stumble under the weight. Here's the most powerful man in the world. The world has not seen a man so strong. He stumbles under the weight, too weak to carry his own cross. And Scripture says a certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country. And Scripture says, and they forced him to carry the cross. Jesus became weak. Jesus was beaten beyond recognition. Jesus had already lost a whole lot of blood. And when you begin to lose blood, it's very difficult for you to maintain balance and and begin to carry on. Jesus, again, lost significant amounts of blood even before the cross. And on his way to the cross, we find God, Emmanuel, taking flesh, stumbling under the weight his call, and his journey. Jesus became weak so that we could become strong. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, I want you to reflect again on the humility of our master who had the authority to change those circumstances in a blink of an eye, to call a legion of angels. But he was so weak that the one who holds the earth tip of his finger, stumbled. The Catholics say he fell three times. How is it that God could let himself fall? Let's take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1. Paul is speaking by the Holy Spirit. He says, I must go on boasting. When you have insight into the price that Jesus paid at the cross, you're not so quick to brag about your spirituality. In this church, there were people bragging about their visions and their dreams, and they were trying to, uh, you know, one said, mine's bigger than yours, mine's greater than yours, my gift is, is better than yours. It was this type of competition going on in the, uh, in the church. And uh, even though Paul hated it, he had to chime in in order to keep this church from going off the spiritual cliff. And he goes on and he injects, he says, I must go on boasting, although there is nothing to be what? This graded against Paul's modesty. It graded against everything in him, but they were questioning and criticizing his credentials. And he had to give an answer, uh, give an answer because he loved this church. And if he left certain questions unanswered, it would create incredible problems. He goes on and says, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. Now, people were emphasizing their visions, their dreams to validate their opposition to Paul, but Paul was reminding them, listen, I've had such experiences too. He goes on and he he talks kind of guardedly about some of his spiritual experiences. He says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Paul was so caught up in the Holy Spirit, he could barely say it was him. He was so far beyond himself, he couldn't really take credit for what was happening. And what we must understand, every gift we have of value, we don't measure it against our neighbor. All of it's from God. All of it's a gift of God, freely given by God. And your gift doesn't make you great. It doesn't. It's what you do with your gift that may make you great. Are you hearing? It's what you do with your gift that may earn you reward in the kingdom. He says, I know a man. In Christ, who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Again, he was so caught up in the spirit, he could barely say that that it was him. And he couldn't take credit for it. Then he goes on, he says, listen, I was, you guys are talking about your revelations. You're talking about your vision. Listen, I was taken to heaven. And he says, listen, whether in the body, out of the body, I do not know. Only God knows. You guys, you know, you you had these visions and and you're boasting and bragging. My situation was, was, was so powerful in God, I don't even know if, if, I, if, if I may have literally translated my body into heaven, then came back. I, 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 I'm not sure only God knows, but I want you to notice something about Apostle Paul, that he didn't have to know everything. And you'll learn, you, you, you learn a good lesson not to be a smart alley. Don't pretend you know more than you know. You don't have to know everything. I know he was a great apostle. But he, he didn't have to answer whether he was in the body or out of the body. But the point was, he said, this thing was so real to me. I don't know if I was standing in a room and I disappeared, went to heaven, or all that happened was my spirit and soul was taken out of my body and just stayed there while I was gone. Y'all talking about some deep experience. Like, I've had some deep experiences. And watch, watch him keep going. He said, whether in the body or apart from the body? I don't know, but, but God knows. Then he goes on. Now, we know in Greek. When they emphasize or say something twice, this is the way they put an exclamation point on it. He's he's saying, listen, guys, this really happened. So he says it again. I was caught up to paradise. I was in the heavenly Garden of Eden where they had trees and streams. I was caught up to the very throne of the Almighty God, and I might even have been in my literal body. Now, you guys are bragging about your revelation, but let me tell you about some revelation. I was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that could not be explained. There is no human language for everything in heaven. When the Bible talks about those four beasts before the throne, it said, like an ox, and then it says, like a lion, and, and like a man, and then and, and, and like a... a, 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 a what I leave out, like an eagle, thank you, Um, and uh, it looks like there are four faces on one creature, how do you explain such things, then Ezekiel talks about a wheel in the wheel, I mean, um, my my, my kids were trying to uh, use that as a a, a text, a Bible text to say that I'm supposed to get those wheels, you know those wheels that uh, in your car, yeah, it's in the Bible daddy, it's in the Bible, but anyway, way off again, uh, but he heard inexpressible things. You know, there are colors in heaven that aren't here. He said it's like blue. He said it was likened unto streets of God. You know, it's like, it, 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 it's, it's yeah, but it's beyond. And uh, there were things there that just was not human language for. He'd have to go into tongues, and if there was no interpretation, matter of fact, there were no language to interpret the tongues. You can't talk about what you've not been exposed to, and the earth had not seen eyes. I haven't seen ears, I haven't heard. So he was caught up, and and he heard inexpressible things, things that could not be explained. They said, and things that no one is permitted to tell. He said, stuff that is, is beyond your pay grade. I mean, I, I've heard things that are too deep for me to even talk about. I got to take it to my grave because because y'all y'all don't y'all y'all don't have the type of revelation, you don't have the type of foundation even here about the things that God was able to show me when he was in heaven. But I want you to notice that what he didn't do was start talking about the details of the visions. And what I've seen in church, I've seen people get proud using their gifts and, and one would prophesy against another person. And then someone else would stand up the next Sunday, and prophesy against what the other person said. And then someone would have a dream, but then someone would outdo them with their dream and then undermine them with their, their their dream. And what was happening here is people would come to church with revelations and gifts. Say, you know, the Lord woke me last night and, and I saw Apostle Paul and he was in a prison and and I heard an angel say he belongs, he belongs there because he's a criminal. He's an outcast. And they would come to church with these revelations and they would use these, these visions and these quoted pseudo spiritual experiences to, uh, 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 as a foundation of authority to discredit Paul. So Paul has to say, listen, these guys that are talking about all the visions and revelation. listen, I've had some visions and revelations. If you're going to follow anyone with visions and revelations, you might want to follow me because I've really, really had some. He said, listen, I've heard some things that I'm not even permitted to talk about, but he doesn't talk about them. And the way you resolve when people get, you know, become charismaniacs, if you will, the charismatic just goes crazy and, and they start fighting with gifts and, and fighting with words of knowledge and, and, you know, using dreams to make people, you know, Give them money and all the rest of this stuff. The way you deal with that is not by you having a dream, too. Typically, the way scripture deals with that is through teaching. Teaching is the corrective measure God uses to correct the church. So we're not gonna outdream each other, outvision each other, out-interpret each other. That's nonsense. We teach the word of God and it straightens it out. So Paul doesn't go and begin to explain a vision he had where God showed him that these other people were bad. What he does, he begins to teach. He says, I was caught up in paradise and I heard some things and some things I'm not permitted to talk about. And A lot of us, you know, you know, it's like uh, there was this frog. He had to get to Florida from D.C. and uh, he saw this. Um, I don't remember what type of bird it was. I'm acting like the story's true, right? But um, (laughs) whoever told the story, it was a certain type of bird. I can't remember the bird, okay? Let's just say it was a duck. It was a goose, okay? And why would a goose fly to Florida? I'm really messing up the story. I don't know. They go the other way, typically. But anyway, this goose was going to Florida. Okay, yeah, he was coming from Canada, Florida. Okay, listen. Okay. (laughs) Taking this story very seriously. But uh, the frog came up with an ingenious idea. He, he said, listen, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a, a stick in the, in the goose's mouth. I'm going to hold on to it. And I can't hop all the way to Florida. So I'm going to hold on to the stick on both sides of the, fro- uh, of the goose's mouth. And I'm going to hitch a ride to, 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 to Florida. And then as he was flying, I, maybe over the state of Georgia, and uh, folk looked up. and like, wow, look at that frog. Man, that is so ingenious. Who thought of that? And then the frog couldn't resist. He, he lifted up his hand and said, I did, ah, oh, and he fell. <laughs> you see, often we have to take credit, even to our detriment. We have to say, yeah, me, 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 my, 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 mine's big, my, 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 but, but to his detriment, the frog crashed to his death. But Paul says, I will boast about a man like that you saying, listen, when I'm in the spirit, it's incredible. But guess what? My spirit's fully redeemed, but I still live in an earthen vessel. I still live in a body. A body. And the fact is, even though there's, there's this tremendous power that moves through me, I am still an individual. I'm still a man. And I will boast about that spiritual person that does all that. But sometimes you have to distinguish that really from you, because that's the anointing of God, doing a work uh, of God for people. But your true measure is not necessarily the anointing you have in public. It's the life you live in private. And in a moment, he's going to go on to talk about this. He said, I'll boast about a man like that, a man caught up by the Holy Spirit, but I will not boast About myself. Again, the spiritual part of Paul, the spiritual part of me, Paul, saying it's awesome. But the fleshly part of me sometimes needs some work. And I I can boast about a man caught up, but guess what? I'm not always caught up. Sometimes I'm a little bit hungry. Sometimes I feel a little bit weak. Sometimes I'm a little annoyed with Silas. Sometimes I'm a little upset with Timothy. Sometimes I feel a little bit alone. Sometimes, you know, I'm I, I feeling a little wounded because they beat me the last place I, I, I passed it. Sometimes I feel a little bit angry because some of the things people are saying about me. You know, I'll boast about that spiritual man, but about me, mm, about myself, I won't. David had a, a similar experience. Psalms 27, verse 1. David is speaking. David is on the mountaintop. David feels the power of God surging through him. If you ever feel the power of God, it makes you feel invincible. I've said things under the anointing that I went home and wanted to stick my head under the bed and just hide. I said, I said that. But it wasn't me. It was that man. You hear what I'm saying? It was that guy. It was my, my spirit that didn't take time to really get approval from my soul. He said, the Lord is my light and my Salvation, whom shall I fear? He's feeling good. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Verse 3, he goes on. Though an army besieges me, I mean, a thousand at my left, ten thousand at my right. I mean, though an organized group of people come against me, my heart will not fear. The war break out, you know, the winds from Japan, the nuclear stuff starts blowing over to D.C. It walks across, you know, California, Texas, and, and it gets to our area. He said, listen, the war break out, again. even then I will be confident. I mean, though dirty bomb is set right in front of the, the Pentagon. Even then will I be confident. You see, when the power of God is, uh, is on you, you know, you can uh, leap, uh, you can run through a troop, leap over a wall. I mean, nothing is impossible. Well, the challenge is often God's always with you, but sometimes he kind of takes his hand back a little bit. And we find with David, he had these moments. Whom shall I fear? I'll fear no man. And, and he was right there and he was ready to deal with whatever faced him. Let's watch Psalm 6 and 6. You find David pouring his heart out to the Lord. My prayer closet is not always impressive. You may say, Bishop, that was a great message. but well, you didn't hear me praying before I taught. I had to tell everything I'm not, tell God everything I don't think I am, everything I'm not. And often, Lord, I, you know what? Are you sure? And then, in spite of all that, He does what He does. But Scripture says that He puts this treasure in earthen vessels. Why? So that the glory can clearly be of Him. So the psalmist pours his heart out to the Lord. And frankly, He said, Lord, I'm tired. Lord, I'm worn out from groaning, crying, and anguish, and upset. All night long, I flood my bed with weeping. My pillow is stained. I feel, when I get up, I felt like I wet the bed, but it was my tears. And drenched my couch. He said, you know, my eyes are so puffy. This was a man who just said, whom shall I fear? Though an army advance against me, even then will I be confident. We catch him at another hour. He's like, Lord, my eyes are swollen. Lord, I'm so red I, I can't even see clearly. I cry everywhere I go. They expect a king and I'm like a crybaby. David saying my eyes grow weak with sorrow and they fail because of all the people that are against me, all the circumstances, all the problems in my life. You see, God lives in that spiritual part of us, but we have to remember Our feet are still clay. Paul received tremendous revelation. But the problem is, if he would have got the big head, he would let people worship him. In fact, you know, we're familiar with the Bible. You know, that snake that was put on the pole and healed people. Eventually, a king had to break it and destroy it because the Israelites began to worship it. In another season in their history, they began to worship the Ark of the Covenant. And it's just human nature we begin to, we we tend to begin to worship anything that has any sign of transcendence. And that's why, you you know, as a leader, you have to be very, very careful. Not just to tell part of the truth, but tell the whole truth. Yeah, the the truth is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but the other half is without him, I'm absolutely nothing. I'm a mess going somewhere to happen. I ain't no better than nobody in this room. You hear me? And, And you have to understand that you are a man. I don't care how much you know God, you are still a person. You are, need, you are in need of a savior. You are in need of his keeping at all times. And the person strung out on drugs or whatever the issue is is really no different than you. That just happened to be his problem. But tell me about your 50 pounds overweight. What, what you addicted to? Or oh, tell me about the fact that you got to stand in front of a computer 20 hours. and has nothing to do with work. You hear what I'm saying? Addicted to TV, addicted to other things. Your problem is just in a place that's not culturally, you know, frowned on. Everyone in this room got a issue a problem somewhere. And you need to remember that, particularly when, you, when, when folks think of you highly, that you're no different. It's the grace of God that keeps you. Are you hearing me? And if all of your stuff was known. Paul says this. He said, listen, guys, I'll boast about a man like like that. But I'm not going to boast about myself, except about my weakness. Who preaches like this nowadays? Nobody. But This way, Paul preached. He said, listen, I'm going to tell you the good. I told you, listen, I, I've had some, I, man, I, I, I went to glory. I'll tell you the truth. I went there. I went to heaven. But let me also tell you, I haven't arrived. I pressed to take hold of that for which Christ has taken hold of me. I'm not yet made it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not Jesus. Don't get it twisted.
1: Thank you for joining us today. Tune in again next time as we continue this classic teaching with Bishop Greer. It is our sincere prayer that you are blessed and empowered to live a life bigger than yourself today. If you want to know more about becoming a Christian or want to rededicate your life to Christ, Bishop Greer wants to walk you through a step-by-step guide. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. Visit gracechurchva.org slash salvation to find out more. We invite you to worship with us online each Sunday on our YouTube channel at Grace VA TV. And while you're there, remember to subscribe and hit the notification bell to get all of our latest content. That's all for today. Until next time, live big.